Turn in your Bibles now to uh, Daniel uh, chapter 2. By the way, good morning, church. Great to see you uh, all here today. Uh, Daniel chapter 2 is where we are going to be uh, this morning. Now, uh, we've all seen uh, countless examples, I think, of, of people basking in the glory of their accomplishments, right? We've, we've definitely witnessed that. I mean, maybe it's the, you know, the football player uh, celebrating the touchdown by, you know, soaking in the adoration of, you know, the 50,000 screaming and adoring uh, fans and making an absolute spectacle uh, of themselves through that celebration. Perhaps uh, you've seen, you know, the actor on the red carpet, you know, smiling and, and waving as, as, you know, people snap photos and, you know, hurl, you know, compliments at them and clamor for their attention and try to get that, you know, exclusive interview. But of course, it's not just them, right? Of course, lowly commoners <laughs> like you and I, uh, we're in it for the glory as well. Let's be honest. We really are. We we too love to have our ego stroked, right? We love it when, when people say nice things about us, uh, people flatter us. We, we love to experience success in so many different ways, right? It's, you know, it might be the, the rush that you get when you're at work and you, you know, just crush that sales pitch, Right, and everyone's you know giving you kudos about that, and maybe you beat out some other people, and you know you're feeling you know you're feeling pretty good about yourself, you know, or or maybe for us it's just, you know simply the the number of likes on an Instagram post, and 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 somehow we just feel we feel so validated by that, and we feel ourselves kind of kind of puff up, or or it's the you know it's the stick taps that you might receive in in men's hockey for ripping it bar down and you're kind of like, you know, still got it, right? And you just love the, the props that your friends give you. Listen, the point, okay, the point of all of this is that we love glory, right? We love it. We are, we are absolutely addicted to it and we, we want it bad, which of course presents a, a rather significant problem for us if we're Christians, Right? It really does. Because once our, once our eyes are opened to the, to the pride, to the sin that we have in our hearts, and we, we embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and as, and as King and as sovereign ruler over absolutely all the created order, okay, once we do that, we begin to realize all right, that life is actually about his glory. Right? It's about his fame. It's about his exaltation. Uh, not our own, okay, not at all. Okay, so therein lies the battle for you and I, right? We all have this, this sinful flesh, this sin nature within us that, that selfishly clamors for our own glory. We, we want it. We were, we're like that, that desperate two-year-old screaming to their mother to gimme, gimme, gimme. Right? We're like that inside. But at the same time, as believers, we also have this, the, the Spirit of God who now resides inside of us, who convicts us of that, right? who, who motivates us and, and enables us to actually give the glory uh, back to God. Okay, so at the end of the day, 
all of us are in it for the glory, right? We really are. The only question really is, is whose, right? If we want to hold fast to Christ, that's what this series is about. That's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, if we want to continue to grow in intimacy, uh, intimacy with him and all of that, the only, the only true answer here, the only, the only legitimate response is to be in it for his, right? To be in it for his glory alone, now, Daniel, I love this guy. He was, he was a, a man, a, a young man, who demonstrated this very well throughout his life. And so we're going to see an example, a great example of that today uh, in the scriptures. We're going to read this in just a second. But first of all, uh, why don't you join me as we pray and give these things to the Lord. God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be together as your church, Lord. Uh, Lord, we know that uh, in Isaiah 42... Uh, you say, you make it very clear, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other. And Lord, as we see that, as, as we recognize that, Lord, we also recognize that we very much uh, don't want to give you glory deep down. Lord, deep down, we want what we want. We want to be um, on the throne. We want to have our ego stroked. We want praise from people. And Lord, we understand as believers that that's, that's a problem. And so God, I pray that today you would show us that, that you are, are so worthy of glory, Lord. I pray that that would be our desire to, to give it to you, Lord. Every, everything that is accomplished through us, everything that we accomplish in this life, Lord, I pray that we would see that it is you enabling and empowering and working through us, Lord, as we see in the life of Daniel. Father, we thank you for uh, this this great text, this passage uh, that models something really well for us, Lord. And I pray that you would tune our hearts to this. Lord, I pray that uh, moment by moment, we would be learning to be uh, followers of Jesus who, who give glory to you, Lord. You are the one who deserves it. That's where it belongs. And so Lord, help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are uh, we're parachuting really today into the middle uh, of a story. And so I want to kind of bring you up to speed a little bit here and kind of let you know what's going on in Daniel uh, chapter one. We're going to look at chapter two, a few verses in there. But in Daniel chapter one, it really starts off uh, with uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon invading Judah, invading the, you know, the, the city of Jerusalem and overthrowing it. All right, he, he, he wins the battle, he wins the victory, and what he does is he takes a bunch of people uh, captive and brings them back to Babylon. And so one of those people is this young man uh, named Daniel and uh, three of his friends that we'll see here uh, in a moment. And so Daniel and his friends, uh, they are brought into the king's court and they, are, uh, they go through a period of of really training. They're, they're, they're taught for three years. They're taught the ways of Babylon. And, 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 and as Daniel and his friends are going this uh, through this, um, the, the king's people recognize, hey, these guys, these guys are pretty good. These guys are very wise. They're, they're sharp. And Daniel himself actually rose to the very the, the, the top. He was the cream of the crop of all of this, over all of the magicians, over all of Babylon's wise men, over all of it. He uh, begins to prove himself and show himself to be a very faithful servant in this way, faithful servant of God. 
Okay, well, at some point here, and this is into chapter two now, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, all right? And this dream, in this dream, it troubles him and, and he's not sure what it's about. And so he gathers his, his magicians and the wise men around him. And he said, I, I, I've, got, I've had this troubling dream and I don't know, I don't know what it means. And so the, the wise men, they say, all right, King, why don't you tell us what the dream is and then we'll interpret it for you. And King Nebuchadnezzar, though, he kind of sees through it a little bit. He recognizes that maybe these guys are just going to tell him uh, what uh, he wants to hear, all right? And he recognizes that, that maybe they're stalling here to kind of come up with a plausible explanation for this dream. And he uh, says there, he says, no, not only do I want to hear the interpretation of this dream, but I'm actually not even going to tell you what the dream was. You're going to have to tell me what my dream was so that I know that you're legit, okay? And he says, and if you don't, and it actually says here, if you don't make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins, right? Seems reasonable, right? Nebuchadnezzar, great guy, all right? And so, of course, the magicians, they're like, what? Like, that, that, that's... That's crazy. Like no man, no person could ever possibly tell you what it was you dreamed before, before you tell, uh, told us. This is impossible. And Nebuchadnezzar though, in his anger, in his fury, he orders these wise men and these magicians to be destroyed, it says, which of course has implications for David, or sorry, for Daniel and his friends who are included uh, in that group. All right, so obviously, Daniel is in a uh, serious jam here, right? He really is. And so what he does is he goes to his friends, okay, and they decide, we're going to seek the Lord together. They hold fast to him. They hold on to their God. And as God moves and as God works through this situation, as we're going to see here, Daniel, he just, he just gives all the glory to God. He's, he's not going to take it for himself. He's going to point it all back to him, which really leads us to the first thing here. Two points this morning. If you're a note taker, here it is. I'm in it for the glory, God's glory. So I will bless him for how he extends mercy when I'm mystified. We're gonna take a look at this here, uh, starting in verse 17 of chapter two. And, and understand here as we pick it up that Daniel has just found out from Arioch. Now, Arioch is the captain of the king's guard, so one of the king's right-hand men type thing. He's just found out uh, that, that Nebuchadnezzar's on the war path. He's just ordered all of these wise men in Babylon to be put to death. And so Daniel immediately, he requests a face-to-face -face with, with Nebuchadnezzar so that he can explain, catch this, so that he can explain both what the dream is and then what it means which if you think about it, is absolutely wild that Daniel would go ahead and say this because at this point when he requests the meeting, he doesn't yet know. Right? He, he hasn't even prayed to the Lord yet. It's, just, it's such a desperate situation and this order has been, has been, has been issued to carry out the execution of these, of these wise men and musicians that, that Daniel's just like, you know what? Let me get face to face with Nebuchadnezzar and, and I'm gonna tell him what the dream is and what it means. Right, which I think that you might think that's kind of foolish. It's not. It just shows the extreme and amazing mega faith that Daniel had in the Lord to come through for him. Right, pretty amazing. So look at verse 17 then. 
It says, then, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Okay, well, who are those guys? Well, they are the guys that we commonly know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? These are the guys uh, that if you go into uh, chapter three, you see they were the three guys that end up going into the fiery furnace, if you remember that story, right? And Jesus shows up in the furnace and spares them. So those are kind of the four characters here with Daniel kind of the lead, okay? So he makes the matter known to these guys, his companions, and told them, it says, to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, I, I really like the use of that word uh, mystery there. You see it? Right? It, it just literally means secret. Right? That, that, that's what it means. And, and, and so the content of, of Nebuchadnezzar's dream itself, and of course the interpretation, was, was a total mystery to everybody. Right, right. Nobody knew, you know, who, what, what, what it was all about, including again Daniel at this point. Right? It, it was a secret that the Lord knew that He had not yet revealed. And so it says there that they rightly seek mercy from the God of Heaven about all of this, and God graciously extends that mercy. Pick it up in verse nineteen. He says, "Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night." Right? So God comes through in a, in a dream or in a vision in the evening and says, and he says, here's what the dream uh, was and here's what it means. And we're, I mean, we're at this point, we're not even told you know, what the dream is or, or the interpretation, but, but Daniel definitely knows it. And if you want, you can actually read later on this week, starting in, in verse uh, 31, uh, when, when Daniel gets in front of Nebuchadnezzar, he, he kind of lays out what the dream was and, and what it all means and all that. We're actually not even gonna get to all of that today. But can you just imagine the relief in that moment for Daniel? Right? Can you imagine just like the, the swell of of confidence in his God about that, right? He's like, man, Lord, you are, you are amazing, right? But now watch what happens next there. It says, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven, right? I, I think there's something significant in that because I think if it was me, I'd be thinking, okay, I got my answer. I got to go straight to Nebuchadnezzar, right? Like, I, like there are people getting killed here. People's arms are being ripped off right? Houses are being crushed. I better go put a stop to all of this, but that's not exactly what Daniel does first. He takes a moment here to bless, right? To bless the God of heaven. I love that. He doesn't overlook that. Now you might be like, well, what does is, what is blessing God really look like here? Well, we see it there starting in verse 20. And this is Daniel, keep in mind, glorifying God for the answer that came. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Can we just hit the pause button here for a second? I love that last little part because it's, I, I think it so kind of speaks to today. Right, when we consider our own country and, our, and the own, our own election that just happened six days ago, to just think about this. He, he removes kings and he sets up kings. 
right? God is sovereign over, over all of that. And Daniel absolutely knows that. I mean, he has, been, he has been stolen away from his hometown, his home city. He has been brought to Babylon and he's been violated in that way. And yet he understands that God is in control of absolutely all of this. Okay, keep going. It says that he gives, this is God, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. They're those who understand that, that God is, is God, right? And then it says he reveals deep and hidden things, right? He just did that for Daniel. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give, look at this, highlight this, thanks and praise. I give thanks and praise. Two very specific examples, two, two different ways that we bless the Lord, right? Keep going. For you have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we have asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. All right, so when we give thanks, as it says there, when we give thanks to the Lord for for coming through for us, when, when we praise him for the ways that he, you know, extends mercy to us in those times, you know what it's like, right, in life, when, in those times where you're just, you're so desperate, right? Like, I, I don't know what to do. We talked about that a lot last week. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And there's that desperation there. God, God, show me your mercy. And, and I'm in a situation that's just, there's just so mystifying, right? That, that was Daniel's situation. This whole thing was, was absolutely a mystery. And I, I, I don't know how to move forward here. Listen, when we, when we bless God in these ways, it brings him glory, right? Something that Daniel was very eager to do. He, he, didn't, he didn't skip over that to go talk to Nebuchadnezzar. I think it's really important that we kind of mine down on that here for just a second. Because if we're, if we're honest, I, I, I think we can all admit how easily we fail to bless the Lord when he extends mercy to us, right? We, we've all probably got a, you know, a, a pretty spotty track record when it comes to glorifying God after God's come through in a big way, right? Where, you know, far too often we, we fail to bless him when the moment presents itself, right? Maybe we, we just kind of overlook it or, or, or we forget to, and when that's the case, I mean, I, I, I'm right there, right? And when that's the case, I think what that reveals there is that inside of us, we, we don't really have a strong enough desire to glorify him. Yeah, I think most of the time, we often, we just want answers to those mysteries. Lord, would you just give me the answer? And when we get those, we, we, we just kind of move on and move forward without kind of pausing there to, to bless him and thank him and, and, and give him the glory for, for coming through. All right, so as you kind of think about yourself here this morning, do you, would you say that you have a strong enough desire within you to bless, to, to glorify his name, to give him thanks when he answers prayer, to, to praise him, to, to worship and exalt the king of kings? Do you, do you do that when he extends mercy to you? If not, if we're not doing it consistently, I, I really believe that that, kind of says two main things about where our hearts are at. And I think it does. I, I think, first of all, it reveals that somewhere deep down, we don't think highly enough of him, right? We don't. I, I think often we see God as, 
as some kind of genie who, who exists to grant us wishes, right? Some kind of genie who exists to give us answers. And then, and then once we've had that, we've gotten that from him back into the lamp you go. Right? Clearly, I just watched the Aladdin movie. Okay, but this is, this is the God of heaven that we're talking about here, right? This is, this is him and, and, and he doesn't exist to, to serve us, right? God's, God's, God's not a genie. He's not, he's not a, a butler that exists at your beck and call, right? We exist to serve him, right? And the, and the fact that that the God of heaven will, will show such mercy to, to lowly creatures such as, such as you and I is shocking, right? It's, it's, it's absolutely wild. When we think highly of God and we see him as, as, as high and, and mighty and amazing, we'll, we'll want to give him glory, right? We will do that. We would not want to waste opportunities to do so. We much more quick to do it. Now, the second thing I think that's revealed about our hearts when we lack a desire to, to bless and, and glorify him and thank him and praise him and all of that is that we, we simply think too highly of ourselves, right? We do, we think too highly of ourselves. We're in it for our glory. You know, we're deep down when we're praying for mercy, God help me, Shower me with that. Deep down, we think we deserve it. I deserve help, right? I deserve God's mercy. And so when he finally extends it to us, somewhere deep inside our souls, we're thinking, God, about time. Like, what took you so long, man? Like, I've been down here asking. I mean, this is really the least you could do is kind of, you know, throw me a bone here. Why have you been so stingy for so long up until this very moment? Right? It's not that we would probably say that. Maybe we would. But is, do you find that sometimes swirling in your mind and in your soul, in your heart, that kind of attitude? When we have that attitude and when, we, when we've got that, we, we tend to move on having you know, obtained the mercy that, that, that God has, has given us without actually blessing him in return, without thanking him for it without praising his name, without being humbled that a, a God so great would would give us the time of day without, without giving him glory, right? He deserves it. We've, if we haven't given it to him, what does that say? Well, it's really saying that we're keeping it for ourselves. But obviously, that's not what we're supposed to do. Okay, so keep all of this in mind here. This is all building as we move on uh, to the second thing here. Here it is. I'm in it for the glory, God's glory. So I will deflect the credit away from myself to the one who's worthy. Take a look now at verse 24. It says, Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. So again, remember, Arioch here, he is the captain of the king's guard. He's the one who's been given the charge and the order to go and wipe out the magicians and all of that. And so he, it goes on, Daniel that is, went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, look at this, I have found, 
Okay, just notice there how eager Arioch is to, to take the credit here and to steal the glory, right? He's like, I, I figured out the king's problem here. I have found, it says, among the exiles from Judah, a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. First of all, did he find Daniel? No, Daniel came forward. But thanks for coming out, Arioch, right? Not all, he's claiming it. Okay, keep going though. It says, Daniel answered the king and said, now again, notice the, 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 the contrast here between Arioch's attitude and his posturing and all of that, his glory hogging, right? And how, how Daniel just deflects credit away from himself and back onto the Lord. Take a look. It says, and Daniel says, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. He's like, it's impossible. No one knows this. No one's got enough insight. But look at this, but, you need to highlight that, okay? But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lie and lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, come thoughts of what would be after this. Right? So Nebuchadnezzar's dreams have something to do with what transpires in the future. He's having dreams about the future. Okay, keep going. It says, and he, okay, that's God, he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. Okay, notice how Daniel, he's not taking credit at all here. He's not like, man, I'm, I'm amazing. I hope this earns me a raise. No, he's, he's just pointing it all back to the Lord. He says, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living. Okay, again, he's deflecting glory to God alone. Okay, but in order that the interpretation may be, may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Now, I think it's, again, clear there that the text is just so abundantly clear. That, that deflecting the glory away from ourselves and, and back to God, okay, the only one who is truly worthy of glory, right? That's the move, right? I think that is just the obvious takeaway here for all of us as, as we read and study this scripture, right? Again, Arioch, he wanted it for himself. He wanted to look like the big man, but Daniel, not so. He wanted God to get it all. Now, listen, listen. It would be very easy for us as we think about, you know, what, what is my takeaway? What is my, you know, what is my move here? It'd be very easy for you and I to think that, you know what, I should just, I should just behave more like Daniel next time, right? Next time when the situation presents itself, I'm going to try and say the right thing, right? I'm going to try and act like, like he did. Okay, but we have to understand that when it comes to giving God glory here, it's about far more than, than any kind of external behavior tweak here and there. Okay, back to what I mentioned at the very beginning here this morning, right? We've, we've all seen that, that football player, right? You know, and they, they score the touchdown, they run into the end zone, and and so many of them, it seems, do the immediate, you know, point up to heaven, 
right? And, and that's supposed to suggest like, thank you, God, or, or, or glory to God. And, and, and while I, I have no doubt that some absolutely mean it, you got to wonder sometimes, right? Or, or, or we've all seen the, you know, the, the actor at the Oscars, you know, receive the golden statue. And, and how do they start their, their thank you speech? I just want to thank God, right? But I think when it comes to, you know, some of these actors and, and some of these athletes and all of that, you know, we, we maybe see, you know, some insight into their life and we kind of see what they're all about. And, and, we, and we, you know, we have, you know, at least some serious doubts whether or not they actually love God and are really, truly in it for his glory at all. Right? You, you, you've wondered that. You've seen it. You've thought that. Now, why do I mention this? Am I trying to be hard on athletes and actors? No, no, that's not the point. I say this because it's just so easy to look like we're giving God glory. It's easy to appear like, we've, like we're nailing it, right? We Christians become such masters of learning the lingo, right? Such masters of knowing the right words to say, right? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You know, we, we, we can say it, but it, and sometimes it can be legit. I'm not saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't say that. I'm saying when we say it, we should mean it because sometimes it can be such, such a show, right? It's so easy for you and I to, to fake it and, and, and not, not, none of that really be from our hearts, none of that really being genuine and, and real at all. We're saying that we're giving God the glory, but... But inside, our hearts are still like loving the, the adoration and the, and the success and the accomplishments completely. See, the problem is that because of sin's impact in our hearts, you and I don't deflect credit away from self and to the one who is worthy instinctively or naturally at all. We, we, we don't do that. In fact, on our own, you and I, apart from God, we can't do it. We can't glorify God, not truly. And it's because we, you know, we, we don't want to, or, or, or so we just don't. Or optically, again, we, we kind of do, but again, it's more of a show than anything. And as we think about this, you start to think about your own, your own life and how many times you've done that. I think about that in my life as well. Like I'm kind of left thinking like, man, we, we're so messed up. Right? We, 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 we can't get that, that right, which signals to us what? Well, that we need grace. Right? That, that's what it tells us. I think there, there's, there, there are people sitting here today. I don't know who you are, but you're, you're trying to behave your way into heaven. You're, you're, you're trying to make this an issue of like your moral effort. And if I would just behave well enough and, and tweak some external behaviors here and there and, and, and say the right things, then, then maybe God will be impressed and, and, and maybe he'll let me in. But do you find that that's such an exhausting endeavor? And according to the scriptures, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a useless pursuit. It's, it's so dead. And the Bible makes it very clear that we need Christ. We need Christ to be able to, to know him. We need Christ to be able to truly glorify him. And so, 
So the move on your part is not to just, again, try and, try and change some outward actions and, and try and just be a better person. You can't, not really, not deep down, not in your heart, right? You, you're, you're flawed, I'm flawed. We're, again, we're so messed up. We need Jesus. And so if you're thinking, man, I wanna, I wanna deflect glory to God more this week and you know, I, I, I wanna bless him. But if you don't, know him, you can't do any of that. And if you're feeling helpless about that, I would say that's actually a, a really good thing, at least momentarily it is, because you realize that, that you're lost and you realize that you are unable and that you need outside help. And the good news of the gospel throughout the scriptures is that God is our help, right? And he gave us Jesus Christ. He gave us his son, that was, that was him coming to earth and, 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 and living a righteous life that you and I could not live. He, he died on the cross as, as punishment for your sins. He, he didn't deserve to be there, but you and I did. But Jesus stepped in when, when we couldn't fix what was wrong with us and he became the fix. He became the solution. And the scriptures say that if you would just admit that and admit how, how, how far fall short you fall of, of God's glory, and if you would trust that Jesus accomplished everything for you on the cross, everything needed for you to, to, to know God, to have your sins forgiven, to be redeemed, if you would trust in that, you would be saved. And I wanna challenge you and encourage you to do that here today. Do it right now. Talk to somebody before you leave and, and ask one of us, what does it mean to know Christ? Can you explain that to me again? Once you do that, then you'll be in a position to truly glorify and honor God with your life. Okay, others, maybe the rest of us here today, we are Christ followers, but you're still trying to give God glory through self-effort. And it's really not a whole lot different than what I just talked about. Right, truly deflecting credit away from ourselves to God, truly glorifying him. Again, it's, it's not a new behavior that you somehow need to start implementing in your life. Right? It, it's an entirely new heart attitude to ask God for. Right? You and I, we need to be absolutely rewired from within. We can't do that. We need a, like a, a hard reset. Okay, so we simply... We simply present ourselves here before the Lord and ask that he would transform us. Okay, you don't just do that the moment that you get saved. Christians, we do that every single time we see that, that there's change needed in our lives, which means constantly, right? Constantly. God, have mercy on me, please, Lord. Pour out your grace and, and transform this heart so, so that I can actually become a person who is in it for your glory and not my own. Right, where this, you know, where, where it's not something that I'm, that I'm neglecting. It's not something that I forget to do. It's not something that I don't really care to do. It's not something that I'm just doing so that other Christians kind of think well of me at church. No, I want this to be real. I want this to be genuine. I want this to be authentic. I want this to be from the heart. So help me, please, God. The awesome, awesome thing here that we see in the scriptures, and it's just true, it's reality, is that the Lord is all about doing this in us. He's all about it. He's all about answering those prayers. 
He's all about, about gaining glory for himself through you. He, he wants to do that. He wants to change you so that you can deflect glory and give it back to him so that you can truly bless him. Everything we go through in this life, church, every single up, every single down, it's to teach our hearts bit by bit that it's about his glory and to transform you and I into people who actually love to glorify him, right? That's, that, right? That, that's, that's, that's what we're to be in it for. So the question really is, are you, am I, are we together? Is that the kind of church that we are committed to becoming? Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to do that here.